We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for a season-opening edition of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Feels so good to say those words. And uh, it feels even better because I just got done recording today's episode with the one and only Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog. Um, If you guys have been following me, listening to me for a while, I'm sure you've heard a podcast with Adam before. We've had a few podcasts that we've actually hosted together uh, for for other spots. And he's been a guest on this pod a bunch of times. I've, I've been a guest on his. And um, it's great to, to get on with him and, and talk NBA and specifically talk Knicks and Celtics, which we did for a while today. We got into some some good stuff and talked a lot about his team and where he thinks they are and where his mindset is going into the season. And uh, then we then we bounced around the NBA a little bit because, man, is it are those streets wild out there? Boy, I mean, Simmons and Philly and getting Marvin Bagley tweets from his agent and uh, who the hell knows what else will have dropped um, by the time this episode comes out, which uh, I'm actually recording this intro right before the opening night games are about to tip off. So I have not yet watched um, Nets, Bucks or uh, Lakers, uh, Warriors, but hopefully those will be good games. And most importantly, hopefully the Knicks have a good game tonight uh, because, man, as I talk about on this podcast, I would really love to get this season started off with a W. Uh, I think that's it. Um, don't forget, as always, if you are new to the uh, KFS family, um be sure to check out my live reaction to the first game of the Knicks season. You can uh, hop on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel where I will go live immediately after the final buzzer uh, and uh, check that out. And of course, keep an eye on your podcast stream because our post-game live streams will be coming up on there as well. So uh, all that is good stuff that's in store. But in the meantime, here's my conversation with... The one and only Adam Taylor. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast. I've only podcasted with this person 
uh, it's got to be up in the what 30s, 40s at this point. How many total times we've been on a podcast together? I'd go higher than that. Really? You think we're over? We might be over. Uh, you're, you're second only to Jeremy Cohen at this point. Um, and for some reason, he he keeps coming back for more, as, as do you, um, for reasons that I just I, I don't know what they are. Um, you can uh, hear and read him on Celtics blog. And uh, also uh, my new partner in crime at uh, Odds Checker for all your for all your gambling needs. <laughs> we're just Adam. encouraging good habits, man. Great. Uh, Adam, Adam Taylor. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Uh, you keep saying that you don't know why we're coming back. Me personally, I don't know why you keep asking me back, but uh, I'm happy I told to you it's, a Saudi, it's the accent. It's just the accent. Oh, man. Oh, thank you. I feel really, uh, feel really valued at this point. It's, it's no, I mean, you have some modicum of basketball knowledge as well. Um, some modicum, <laughs> some modicum. Um, listen, all I can think about right now is so we're recording this at uh 545 ish on uh Tuesday, so uh, both of our teams, I so again, Adam covers the Celtics. Um, both of our teams are tipping off in uh, I guess about 26 uh, hours from right now, given give or take some pregame festivities. And I'm a little bit happier than I was about an hour ago because um, Tim Bontemps tweeted out that Jalen Brown is is questionable. I was figuring Jalen Brown was going to play. This is I'm listen, man, I'm just going to come out right and say it. I, I don't think I've said this on a podcast. I've texted some people this. I'm nervous about the game because and I don't know. I'm curious to get your take on like where your mentality is as, a, as someone who supports the Celtics going into um, this season, but like, so we have you guys and then we have a home and home against, uh, Orlando, who is supposed to be the, whatever the second or third worst team in the league. I see this going one of two ways. Either we beat the Celtics. And then even if you split against Orlando, it's like, all right, they're two and one. They beat the better team. They dropped one that they weren't supposed to, whatever. Well, that's fine. Or they lose the opener against the Celtics and then drop one of two against the magic. And then it's like, Oh, fuck. Here it comes. It's not not good things. So where so that's where my that's where my head's at. Where's your head at? So my head's at. So the way I've kind of approached this is the Knicks are a team that have all of a sudden came out came from obscurity into being a potential fawn in the side of the Celtics in terms of like a team that you know you never really had to worry about in the mid to high echelon of the Eastern Conference seedings. It was always, they'd be battling for the eighth seed. If you need to battle for the fifth, fourth, or third, you were going to be generous. When were Um, we? We were not battling for the eighth seed. I'm always generous. I'm on a next podcast, man. I'm not going to infuriate thousands of people just because. (laughs) This this is is why I have you on again and again, because you're much nicer than you have any right to be. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, like the Knicks are, you know, they're, they're a problem or they're a perceived problem. Now, obviously from my standpoint, I don't have the, uh, the wishfulness and the uh, belief that everything you saw last year is highly repeatable this year with a new uh, point guard, a new shooting guard. I think that you guys are going to be a much tougher team to play against this year, just because of that scoring ability. But for me again, like I want to see that over the first 20 games before I'm like, damn, the Knicks are really actually back. Tibbs has done a great job all around. It wasn't just a one-year type of thing. And then I'm going to be scared. So this game for me, I'm more interested in seeing how you guys utilize Kemba and Fournier differently to how Boston did. And then I'm interested in seeing 
whether the Celtics can actually win. That's uh, secondary to me because it's the opening game. So, you know, you take it, you take the first night with a pinch of salt. So again, 82 games, a lot of games, right? You mm-hmm. should take the first night with a pinch of salt. God knows, you know, uh, who uh, the magic, speaking of those magic, they started out like four and one or five and one. Like I think the Cavs started out three and oh, and had like the best net rating in the sport for a, a hot minute there. That was, what, that was 50% fun. of their wins, man. <laughs> Roughly, all right. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't do the exact math. Um, no, but you know what? The funny thing is, we just said the same thing, and here's why: you just said you want to see now. Okay, the Knicks were. You put it more politely than I will. The Knicks were terrible for most of the last twenty years. They had a very good season. Um, you want to see how they do now in the next year of the Tibbs era, right? But you want to see it. I'm sitting here. I'm listen. I I was selling orange and blue Kool Aid. I'm all about the Kool Aid. Um, I chug it. The more you give me, the more I'll drink. And yet, I have the same doubts because I want to see it again. Because here I am worried, like, oh shit, you know. And we talked about this all last season. Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? And finally, the other shoe didn't drop. Made it to the playoffs, and then the other shoe kind of dropped. Um, but now it's like. You know, just especially because we have this early part of the schedule that is, um, I don't want to say easy, but it's manageable, right? It, it, we only have, they have two games against Milwaukee, two two games against Philly, who we'll probably get to them at some point, division, mutual division rival. But every other game is a game that they should be able to win. And I just, I feel really strongly they need to get off to that solid start. And it's yeah. these damn two Orlando games that come right after. Cause it's like, again, if you're a Nick fan, you've been watching this team for a long time. You're like, it would be just like them to drop one of those games. Hopefully they don't, but we'll see. I mean, um, looking at Orlando in uh, preseason, Cole Anthony looks really good. Bamba was playing really well. Uh, Boston played them twice. Um, both games you saw Mo Bamba play. So I saw at least two or three people on social media like this is the best I've ever seen him play. So you and were impressed said, by Orlando? Interesting. No, I don't think they're good in by any stretch. I think yeah. they're capable of beating people. Um, more than capable, I think they've got some really good high upside young guys. Uh, I'm a huge sure. Cole Anthony guy though. Um, I just think see, I'm a Anthony, big I'm a big Suggs guy. See, yeah, there we go. Suggs looks like he's got um, some good defensive timing with him already at this level. Yeah. Um, so if they did beat you, I wouldn't be shocked. But that's not because I think the, the Knicks are bad. It's just because yeah. I think Orlando have it in them to put out a couple of those results throughout the season. Well, I would very much like to go into both of those uh, or, yeah, those Orlando games with a win. But another, uh, I, I, I'm going to, let's see, how do I get Andrew not to yell at me? Um, I will not reveal where I had the Celtics in in our uh, preseason predictions podcast, um, which which you could hear, of course, on the next school Patreon. But I will just say, Andrew, can I just say I was very high on the Celtics? Or, or sorry, not not our preseason predictions. Our I was high on them in the predictions podcast. I was also high on them in the wins draft. Here is what I will do. You what? can because Adam is a friend of the pod, okay. and you can say where you had the Celtics in your rankings. Okay, your so I, predictions. I had them fourth in the yeah. East, and I took them. I will just say I took them very high in in our wins draft, in which we were trying to draft, you know, teams that were would win the most games this season. Um, I feel like I'm a good influence on you. Well, but here's the, you know, I, I, I looked at it today. Um, 
And I'm sure you know this, but, you know, they had. And look, we'll, we 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 did a whole episode about Kemba when they when they signed him. So we don't we don't have to spend too much time on, on Kemba or, or Fournier for that matter. But I, I know that situation wasn't perfect in a lot of different ways, and I'm sure the Celtics are happy to be moving on, and and the Knicks are happy to have Kemba and and Evan. But the fact is, like you guys only had Tatum, Brown, uh, Smart, and Walker in the lineup together for 17 games last season, which is essentially less than a quarter of the season, um, which is like, not like there was no consistency there. So, well, I think there are some Nick fans who say like, how dare you put the Celtics in the same sentence as us? They were a seven seed last year. They just have a new coach, the whole thing. Um, like I'm more like they had a, you guys had a pretty rough year last year. Is the mentality for you at this point, just like, I can't wait to start a new season. Like it can't go that bad again. Like let's see what the talent could do or where, where are you guys at? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it can't go like that again because I'm a Celtics guy and I've seen how injuries decimate this roster from time to time. I definitely think for me, it's like they're more, they're more equipped to deal with anything like that moving forwards. Like last year. Why, biggest, why is that? Last year, one of the biggest downfalls to the roster was there was a bunch of inexperienced guys on the bench that were playing like sixth, seventh, eighth, nine man, ninth man roles on the team and getting big minutes when guys were injured. Um, so you'd see like Grant Williams got played in posi- out of position or against poor matchups, got smoked. Um, you know, Robert Williams would come in and have a really good stretch as um, a starter, then would end up getting turf toe and missing the end of the year. Now, there, was, there was just not enough backup. And now you look at the guys they've brought in, nobody's a world beater. I don't think like, you know, maybe I think Dennis Schroeder with an argument for six man of the year could be uh, a logical and realistic outcome at the end of the season. But none of these guys that have come in are borderline all-stars, but what they are is experienced vets. So when those injuries inevitably do happen, uh, because you know everyone, every team deals with its own injury crisis sure, at one point yeah. or another. There's somebody with a bit of experience that can come in and actually um, maintain a very specific level where a decent baseline, rather than having to rely on the inconsistency of a young guy. And I think that's where my my because I have them finishing fourth as well. Um, okay. And I think that's where my mindset comes from: the fact that they can handle the rigors of the NBA season much better in terms of depth than what they have been able to previously. I mean, up until, what, two days ago, their 15th man was Jabari Parker. There's teams out there that would love Jabari Parker as their 15th man. I mean, he, so, he could still score. You know. it, yeah, but, like, <laughs> you know, he needs... <laughs> so, so can Kevin Knox, I guess, in fairness. Um, <laughs> that would have been a great trade. Jabari Parker for, for Kevin Knox. Kevin um, Knox, <clears throat> never was. Man, I... I I, I feel so bad on him at one point as well. Yeah, it's, listen, you, you and me both. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's happening for him here, though. Uh, how, why are we talking about Kevin Knox? Talk about the 15th guy on the roster. Um, do you, do you like, uh, you like Udoka as the coach so far? Yeah, I mean, um, very minimal. He's definitely a different type of coach to Stevens. You know, he's already suspended Marcus Smart for a game, um, which was interesting. He, he's what yanking. I forget what happened there. I remember I was smart like smart missed the, smart missed the flight to the oh, Orlando that's game. Missed the flight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Udoka yeah. was like, "No, you, you're not playing in Miami." Um, you know, Grant Williams. Um, Udoka's like, "I really don't like it when players complain to the refs. It you know, puts you on the back foot. You have to try and catch up to the pace of the play." And um, Grant Williams complained to the ref one too many times, yanked him, 
you didn't really see that with Stevens. Like Udoka seems a little bit more like this is you're going to play the game the way I want it played, or you're not going to play it at all. Um, very Spurs influenced offense. They run a lot of uh, motion offense that uh, you'd see Pop use back in the old Spurs days, uh, inspired by Budenholzer as well. So very more, Tatum, much more fluid. Do, do Tatum and Brown does that jive with? Because I, I here's the thing: I'm super high on Tatum. I still don't. I'm sure you have some opinions on this. I'd like to hear them. I still don't know what he, what a maximized version of him uh, looks like on offense. Like, is he just like a slightly smaller, like Kevin Durant? Like what, 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 in your, in your world where like Tatum is, is maybe wins an MVP someday or is like, is in the running for an MVP, which he almost was a few years ago. Um, like, what, what does he look like? What does his game look like? Do you know, if, if you'd asked me this in the summer, I probably would have gone along with that, like a Kevin Durant-esque type of scorer. Um, this year, so far, what we've seen from Tatum, and it's only the preseason. It's not like there's a huge sample size to lean on, but he's far more um, aggressive getting to the rim. He's really working. Um, That's always been an issue, though, for him, right? Yeah. Getting to yeah. the line and yeah. Okay. And now he's working like, um, you see him coming off a bunch of like wedge screens and He'll curl off pick and rolls and like duck into the post. He really wants to post up on guys and get that fadeaway working as well. So maybe a, a better playmaking, taller Kobe type of scorer because he seems to be that's his like, idol. Yeah, it's his idol. If you look at the shot profile that he's taking in the preseason when he did play, a very Kobe type of shots, you know, the turn away, turn around, fade away, drive to the rim, try, you know, really extend himself to get those finishes and then take the freeze as well. But I think that his scoring profile is a bit more diverse. Um, I genuinely don't know who I'd liken him to in terms of wh- where, how he's developing now and where he could end up in terms of scoring ability on all three levels. Uh, I think Durant has to be the guy that you'd liken him to. I just, obviously the size isn't there and I don't know if he's going to yeah. be as transcendent as I mean, Durant is. Look, Durant's one of the one of the five greatest scorers ever. I don't know. He's 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 up there, dude. Yeah, he's in the he's in the conversation as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know that's not a popular thing to say in the next podcast, but I mean, I was just thinking the exact same thing. It's Kevin. It's Kevin fucking Durant. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm like I said, and you know this. I'm I'm very high on Tatum. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you a hundred and 10% of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash film school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Brown, you know, it's funny. So I was, I have something for the newsletter uh, for, for Wednesday in which uh, I'll, I'll spoil my own newsletter. I am one of my little predictions that I'm making for this year is that RJ Barrett will, um, we just saw a bunch of rookie contract extensions. I think RJ Barrett's going to, going to get the max. Um, and I, that is not to say that he is necessarily akin to the other rookies that have gotten the max extension over the last three years. He's not, he's a step down from those guys, but I also think he's a step slightly above or should be after this year, some of the guys that have gotten just below the max. And there's one guy out there who has come closest to the max without actually getting the max. And that's uh, Mr. Jalen Brown. And I was looking his year three stats are eerily similar to RJ's year two stats. The there's a uh, RJ, a little bit more by way of assists, um, a little bit more by, by way of made threes, but Brown, the big thing he had was he was, I think, 50, he was 52 uh, effective field goal percentage uh, as a third year player, which was down from year two when he was 54. RJ made the a big jump, but he's still just below 50%. So it's the efficiency. And I think Brown has always been pretty good around the rim, right? That's, that's been a strength. Yeah, crazy defense. explosive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not RJ. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the development of Brown, it's not maybe as important to the heights that, that Tatum reaches, but what do you, I, I, again, I hope he doesn't play cause I want to win this fucking game, but like putting that aside, what do you, what do you expect from, from, or what are you looking for, for, from Jalen Brown this season? Do you know, Jalen Brown is probably the only player since I've been 
paying not not been a fan, but been paying ridiculously close attention to the league. You know the way it is once you go from being a fan to yep. writing and to you know that that jump in attention level. He's the only player that I follow closely where I, where his development has been perfectly linear. There's never really? been a dr- yeah. If you ask any Celtics fan, it's been. I remember coming in, coming off the first season, we were like, we want to see Brown develop a jump shot because he was very raw and he was just very much a slasher. Then the third year, it was Jalen Brown's only right-handed. You, you know, you force him left and everything's going to go to shit. Um, comes back that year, his left hand's completely revamped. He's scoring left-handed and everything. Fourth year, it was that catch-and-shoot jumper from the corners and from the mid-range. Yep. Every year, whatever whatever has been a perceived weakness, he's he's resolved it in the off-season, and it's always led to like this linear development. Uh, this year, it was just to tighten up that handle, maybe be able to take guys off the dribble rather than just attack a closeout. Um, sure. Be able to actually put the ball on the floor, beat your man off the dribble, and then use that athleticism to create for others or yourself. Um, so if he can do that this year, as well as keeping... Uh, you know, like a 35 to 38% three point jumper and, you know, really kill it from mid range because he does work quite well when he does attack those closeouts. I think that's like, that's perfect for Jalen Brown. Everybody needs a Scotty Pippen, right? <laughs> so no, but that it's funny you say that. Cause I like, I, again, it's only been two years, but I wouldn't be shocked if that's how RJ goes as well, where it's just slow and steady progress with the difference being, like you said, Brown has that, I mean, his athleticism is is ridiculous. RJ's not that's not ever going to be in RJ's bag. But the three point shot, I think that is something that I'm personally really excited about um, with 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 Barrett. And I think, you know, I I mean, look, Brown's going to be a, a, a day one or an extended when he can extend in a year. Right. I think I'm not sure if he wants to. I'm sure. So this is the. When is this the first year of taste? Do you know what? I haven't spoke contracts in so long. My head's gone. You know, because um, he's because Brown will we'll, we'll work this out live on the pod. This is so exceptional got the extension folks. one year before Tatum. Tatum signed his extension to start of last season, which means this is the first year of Tatum's extension. So this will be the second year. Second of year. Brown's extension. But it's only, so it's only that. So Brown only has two more years left on this extension, which yeah, is interesting because it was yeah. only it's only four years. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because he. And I, I'm, there's probably some very basic CBA thing I'm missing, but like Brogdon just added, he tacked on two more years onto his existing two years. So theoretically, well, but I guess Brown's probably not thinking along those lines yet because it probably takes away, you know what the difference is? This is what the difference is. It, it'll um, decrease his earning capacity because yeah, he's, I think, yeah. I think that with his development as well, you know, the, he's an all-star now. He's made his first all-star appearance. I, I think he's more than capable I, of making multiple I more. I think he's going to make a few. I think he's yeah. he's that good. He's looking um, at max money. He wants near oh. max level money, and I think he's capable as Fuck well. Near max, he should get. If you're an all star wing in your what is he 23, 24? Yeah, he's a defensive piece as well. On ball defensive, on ball defense is one of his specialties when he's locked in because he can I mean, be, he can be the opposite and be a bit of a, a turnstile. Really. Sometimes, like you see the occasional play, um, he was quite poor defensively during his rookie year. Um, improved in his second, improved in his second a little bit. His third year, and um, he was really, really good, and he's he's hovered around there. But then okay. he'll have games where he just um, he really struggles sometimes to just understand switching schemes. Gets caught up on screens, doesn't navigate oh, under or okay. over right. Uh, so it just depends how locked in he is and how like what type of uh, 
what type of wave he's riding at that moment. Well, I'll be interested to see because I, I again I, I, I agree with you. I think he's he's been he's taken steps up every year from from as I can see it from afar. Um, and then the rest of the team, you know, like I don't know. <laughs> we, I mean, we look we'll, look there. I don't think outside of Robert Williams, and I don't even think there's, I was about to say, there's not a lot of mystery with these guys. And I was going to say maybe outside of Robert Williams, but even Rob Williams, we know what Rob Williams is. It just he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. Like we know what he is. We know what Marcus Smart is. We, we know what Dennis Schroeder is. Sadly, we kind of know what Josh Richardson is at this point. Um, but like, you know, I, like you said, uh, Harford, I, I'm still, I still think Al Harford could be a really good NBA player. Like they, they have all these quality pieces. And I, I do think, you're just kind of counting on last season being something of an anomaly, right? Because yeah. of the injuries, because of COVID and everything else. And then, but that's the complete opposite to you guys, right? Because the last I, thing you want is for last season to be an anomaly. I I'm so the, I look it is, I'm not breaking any news here because I've been podcasting about this for weeks. I think they're for real. I think the offense is for real. I think the defense is for real, but where I where I have some where my nerves exist is because unless you are unless you employ one of the I don't know how many names there are on this list uh, three four five six seven guys who if you have that guy and you have a relatively healthy competent roster around that guy you're gonna you're gonna win in the high forties right over an eighty two game season at the very least Tatum is I don't think he's quite there yet I think he's almost he might be in that conversation. In a Before, year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, may, in a month, he may be in that conversation. I don't know. No, I'm big. <laughs> being, I'm, uh, I was being. Uh, what's the word? Again, I'm never going to shy away from the guys that I like, and I like Jason Tatum. I, I, you've known this for years. I've been talking about for you. Um, you know the Knicks. Again, Julius Randle is not in that category yet. Um, he's he's awesome, and he's we're damn happy to have him. He's not in that category yet. So because we don't have that guy, we're in that kind of juicy middle of the NBA where, you know, you could have a good season or you could have a, a not so good season. Like the Celtics last year were in that kind of juicy middle and they ended up going 36 and 36, you know? So it's, it's, it's not, you know, Miami, whatever. I don't know what their final record was. It was not that much worse than the Knicks. Like good, good teams have seasons every now and then where they're just not as good as, so it's not like I doubt what the Knicks should be or could be or, or are. I just, it's like, I've been watching the NBA a long time. Like you have like some shit goes sideways sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's why, again, I bring it back to my nerves of like, I want to win this. I want to win this game. I want to get off to a good start and we'll go from there. Um, Hold on, I'm going to throw something live at you that I literally, uh, Fred Katz, uh, who, uh, wonderful. He's now the New York Knicks beat writer. Yes, for The Athletic. Wonderful, wonderful beat writer for The Athletic. Um, <laughs> you look happy yeah, about this. Well, because of a, a tweet that was going around this morning, which I won't get into. Um, Kemba Walker on why it didn't work out in Boston. I don't know if that's a question for me, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it had anything to do with my basketball skills. I think it was more my health. But yeah, I don't know if it's really a question for me. Um, again, if you want to hear Adam go in-depth on, on Kemba, go uh, listen to the podcast that we did about three or four months ago. You gave a bunch of great stuff. We don't have to talk about Kemba for long. I guess, I don't know. I just, I'm With a few more months to, to of retrospect, um, because again, I've spent a lot of time looking at his numbers. His numbers were not 
bad last year um, on offense. The defense, I think we're starting to get a sense of like, he really is, he struggles on that. We, we don't have to talk about that, but I, I do. Do you still think it's the fact that it was the inconsistency of just the fact that he was in and out of the lineup? Do you think it went deeper than that? Or like, again, with a lot of months to think about this, where, where where's your final stance on the Kemba in, in Boston experience? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like his relationship with his teammates, like they all spoke glowingly of him um, all the way through his time there. Everyone was like, you know, he's a consummate professional, an ideal teammate, you know, very, um, very forthcoming about his own porn games, very honest and open and then how people accountable. So I genuinely don't believe that his uh, position on that team was soured in any way by relationships with the, with the playing staff. I've read discussions about maybe there was a little bit of um, tension between Brad Stevens and Kemba Walker. Um, I've read that there was a piece that came out not long after Kemba got traded and by Jared Weiss, one of the Celtics covers who covers um, for the athletic. Sure. He's and really that good. was very, he's, he's fantastic. And that was one of the, um, one angle was like, Hey, maybe, you know, Kemba felt that Brad Stevens sometimes came down a little hard on him compared to how he would on Tatum. Or, I remember. Re- oh, that was that in-depth. Yeah. I remember that. Okay. So there was that side of things, but for me personally, obviously I'm not privy to what goes on in the locker room or anything like that. So for me, it was very much a, you're not healthy consistently. You're in and out of this rotation with a bunch of other guys that are in and out of the rotation because it wasn't just him. No, it wasn't just him. And there was no continuity overall. Now I do think that on the contract Kemba Walker was on with the money he was earning and the concerns around the longevity of those knees, it made sense for Boston to move on from him. They also needed to add some additional height. Um, so I think that Kemba's fit on the roster was probably questionable, especially on the salary he was earning, plus the lack of uh, the lack of health overall for the entire roster kind of expedited Kemba's uh, well, Kemba's exit from the Celtics. Um, that uh, yes. Uh, well, look, I think. <laughs> Let me first respond to this. And then I'm going to, again, exceptional podcasting folks. I have to read this. Check Roge, what Roge just tweeted. I think the Knicks, I think the Knicks are very happy to have Kemba. I think he's going to, what I'm hoping for is that a little bit of like less is more in that he, even though he's always been obviously the highest usage guy on every team he's ever been on with the exception of last year. And he was, I think neck and neck with Tatum the year before that. Um, I'm hoping he, um, is able to, I think he'll embrace a, a, I don't say lesser role, but like, you know, not being the guy I just, I, I, but I wonder how easy that'll be for him to adjust to it. And I wonder if last season's experience will make it a little bit easier for Kemba to adjust a little bit to, you know, maybe uh, deferring a little bit more to maybe being more of a, a pass first point guard. Is that in his wheelhouse? D- does he want to do that? Is that is that where he's most comfortable? That's what like there I mean, are there are fit issues. I don't say there's fit issues, but it's not like it's not like you you know you just insert Kemba Walker into this offense and everything's going to be perfect. Like it's going to take a little bit of work on the next part to figure out these these pieces because just adding more talent doesn't always equate to well it's we're going to make it a better basketball team but i'm i'm hopeful and i think he's got the right attitude and i think everybody on the team is the right attitude i think tibbs is the right i think everybody's on you know that part of it i like so See, for me, it was like Kemba Walker was very vocal on playing an off ball role when the Celtics first acquired him and i never in terms really of he would it. be okay with it 
yeah, like he wanted it. He was like, it's a way to prolong my career. It's a way to give me new avenues to be an offensive weapon and to help help my teammates improve rather than just being the guy to carry the offensive load. Sure, yeah. Um, even when healthy, we never really saw that. Kemba Walker was still a very ball-dominant person on the um, member of the rotation. What? However, that's not him. You know, that's Brad Stevens. If you don't want the ball in Kemba Walker's hands, it's your responsibility to take the ball out of Kemba Walker's hands and push that off-ball duties a little bit. Um, I had questions about the same thing with uh, Julius Randle. I thought Randle done a fantastic job as a facilitator last year for you guys. Like a lot of the offense ran through him. How does that affect him if Kemba now needs the ball to be well, an effective piece? I think... I don't worry about, so Randall, listen, Julius has been, um, even with the ball in his hands a lot, I think by and large, he has been incredibly unselfish um, in terms of like, if there is someone on the court with him that can do something better with the ball than he can, like, I, you know, did Julius take a bad shot here or two last year? Sure. But like, name me the, 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 the all-star that doesn't take a, a bad shot or two, you know, every, every couple of, or once a game or whatever it is. Um, for me, my issue is more, I didn't really feel like he ever developed any particular level of synergy with any of his, his teammates. Now we've started to see little drips and drabs of that with him and RJ um, speaking of Fred Katz, he had a, a great snippet in his piece today about using RJ as a screener um, with with Randall, like out on the perimeter, uh, as essentially as a pick and roll combination. I want you to DM please. me this tweet as well. Actually, I want to read this tweet that made you glow so much when you said his name. Oh, I will. I'll send it to you. Um, it's so yeah. I'm I'm excited about their combination, but like I want to see how Kemba and Julius can. Hopefully, uh, I don't know if this is a word, uh, synergize with each other, because if, oh, if we're really boiling, if we're really boiling down, making shit up, if we're really boiling down <laughs> what, went, what went wrong with the Celtics last year, whether it was by injuries or because the pieces just didn't fit right or whatever the case may be, Brad Stevens, put the put the blame wherever you want. There, there was a lack of synergy. I think we're, we're all in, in, in agreement about that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's what they need to figure out. Will they figure it out? Well, we'll, we'll start finding the out. The Celtics were not synergistic if we're just making words up. <laughs> so could we, okay. Um, anything else we need to talk about with this game? Cause I want to hit on a couple of general NBA things with you before I, I let you go. Um, synergistic. Is it a word or not? Who are you? Oh, a couple, you know, a couple of things. We do have to hit a couple other things. Uh, Robert Williams got big Bob time Lord got paid uh, five or excuse me, four for 50, uh, four, right? 52, 54. So whereabouts? Um, Mitchell Robinson still has not gotten paid. Uh, the Nick fans get mad when people put uh, Williams in the same sentence as Mitch because Williams hasn't been able to stay on the court. That said, That's fair. It, it is fair at the same time. Uh, Williams has shown some uh, nascent playmaking ability. Shall I? Shall I say? Is that is that fair? Um, he is certainly a defensive presence when he's out there. So I, I'm he's added yeah. a mid range jumper to his bag now as well. That, which is again, something we haven't seen from Mitch. So like, look it there, there's pluses and minuses in, in both of their baskets. Do you like the contract for, for Williams? I was advocating for a one plus one personally. Really? Or Yeah. A one plus one on a previous deal. I was very much along the lines of we'll pay you $10 million this year. We're going to have a team option on year two. And, you, you know, we're going to incentivize you to stay healthy and earn that big deal. And then we'll sign you long term. Yee of little. 
Faith, Adam Taylor. Well, shots mean, yeah, fired at the, we at the Williams played camp. a regular season game yet, and he's already missed two preseason games. Ouch. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's for me, it was very much along the lines of I want you to, I want to see it before the Celtics tie up more money. Now, don't get me wrong, he's upside as a guy that can play make a guy. Um, you know, if, if that mid range jump shot actually develops a little bit more, that short roll offense just explodes in diversity for him. Um, so well, the upside cool is a top deal. fifteen, top fifteen center. I think that's yeah. the upside. Just, just like fine. by the way, just like Mitch. Mitch, that's yeah. look, maybe man, even I've said to that. you many a time. I think Mitchell Robinson's a fantastic big man. You've um, oh, from the first podcast we ever did, you were glowing, glowing about Mitchell Robinson. You have been consistent on that the whole time. Yeah, I think Mitch Robinson's um, his ceiling was really high. I always did say that I think that his development and the way he developed quicker than. Rob Williams was because Rob Williams didn't play because he was always injured. No. Otherwise, I think those two would be closer in their developmental kind of like path. Um, but no, I, I get that top 15 and, you know, top 15 centers, then they're not worth a bunch. You know, it's the top four centers where you want to pay extreme money for. Well, I mean, Which yeah, leads we seem to DeAndre. Ayton. I was about to say, we don't, you know, I was listening. I listened to the first bit of, uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, uh, they were talking about him and I think it was uh, Pelton. Zach Lowe to Zach Lowe. Um, and I, I think Zach Lowe had a, a, a good take. Shockingly, I think Zach Lowe had a good take. Um, <laughs> Zach, I think Zach Lowe had a good take, which is that on the surface, like it's not ridiculous that the Suns don't think DeAndre Ayton is a max guy because he, I don't think he's a max guy either. But at the same time, it's like, if you're, you know, sometimes you got to, just, I don't know. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And I, I wonder, I don't know. I wonder how that situation is going to work out. But I, I agree with you. There are very few senators in the league that are just like, here, take all of our money. Um, See, my thing is like, he might not be a max guy now, but do you think by the end of that deal, he could be I, max level? No, because I, to me, if you're going to, an automatic max center, a guy who deserves the max, right? I'm not saying, put, put the category of player aside. who's like, we just kind of got to give this guy the max. Like, mm-hmm. again, no, I'm not going to say that. It'll get me in trouble. Certain players get maxes who, no, certain players get maxes who may not be true max players, but it's like, it's the right thing for your organization. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. Um, Aiden, like, does not have the offensive game or, if, in my personal opinion, the ability to get to the offensive game of, obviously, Nikola Jokic, the greatest passing center of all time, but even like, you know, Embiid. Carl Anthony Towns, can he get to um, like Bam Adebayo offensively? I don't know about that. Bam Adebayo is kind of like a playmaking center. Um, Very, very, very shifty in terms of like lateral quickness and ability to change pace. To to say nothing of of his abilities on on the defensive end and his versatility there. So then it's like, okay, well, where where does Aiton slot in? Like those are your, to me, when I think of Max centers in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, um, like put him in his own category because I, I think that contract is going to age terribly, but we, we don't have to get into that right now. So it's like, if you're that next tier down as a center in the NBA, like, what are you like? Are you, are you still a max guy just because you might be the sixth or seventh best center in the NBA? I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, the question you got to ask yourself is if you lose him for nothing now, or if he, well, can, I, that's is, obviously is he replaceable. Like, can you replace him and maintain the level of well, success that you've had with him? I, I think the question is, would you rather potentially lose DeAndre Ayton for nothing? Not that that's really in the cards unless, he's, unless he signs the qualifying offer, which, you know, is again, we've, we've never possible. seen anybody do it. 
it, it, it's anything's possible. I, I, I think it's, you never know, but like, what's better that or paying a guy $5 million more than he's worth a year, which is then gets back to my original point. Sometimes even if a guy is not a max guy, you pay him because it's, it, it is in the best interest of ever, all parties involved. You know, even if it is an overpayment, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, I want to hold on uh, last Celtics thing. Uh, Ines Cantor, you excited about return of you the know, Ines I'll Cantor experience? Every, I'll, I'll tell everybody, man, I don't think Ines Cantor is as bad as what everybody says. I understand the defense is bad. The pick and roll defense is appalling. Um, if you play him anywhere outside of a drop coverage, he's going to get smoked. If you play him in drop coverage, chances are he's still going to get smoked. But he, he can come off the bench and he can attack the boards for you on the offensive glass. He can give you second chance possessions. And after a year where I've watched Tristan Thompson battle and win offensive rebounds and make the worst decisions physically possible once acquiring those offensive rebounds, I would much rather Ennis Cantor. I've never heard anybody use the use the verb acquiring along with offensive rebounds. You could you you get you could come across offensive rebounds in a lot of ways. Acquire them is not something I've ever heard, which is why I love say, you. He garners them. Garners he, them. Oh wow, that's even better. Yeah. He dude. garners them. Um can you like garnish like you garnish someone's wages? That no, that means you take you take them away. Well he is garnishing them because he's taking another team's rebound away because it's an yeah. offensive rebound. So he he's he's garnering and garnishing offensive rebounds. This is exceptional podcasting by the way. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. What's going on? I'm Andrew Claudio. And I'm Bernard Ozerowski. And this is our brand new movie podcast, Final Review. Each week, we'll pick a different movie that is widely considered one of the greatest of all time. And determine just how great it actually is using 10 different top five lists. For example, The Dark Knight might be great, but is it even a top five Christopher Nolan film? Or Blade Runner might be an all-timer, but is it even a top five Harrison Ford performance? At the end, we'll add up the movie's total score. And see once and for all where it lands on the all-time Pantheon scale. Let us know how much you agree or disagree with our rankings. You can follow the show on all social media platforms by searching Final Review Pod. New episodes drop every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. Final Review, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever podcasts are available. What, um, what other ones could we use? Hold on, we need to go through the vocabulary. It has to start with the letter G, though. It has to start with the letter G. He can pill for rebounds. I'm two okay. Two general NBA things, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, I think the NBA is releasing the first bit of the top seventy-five list. And like, are they doing it at six thirty today? Are they? I, I Andrew, saw, 
Andrew, if you're still Perkins there, check, maybe check on that. Okay. Two, maybe we'll get to that. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll get some live reactions on the show. Uh, so <laughs> this from uh, Jeff Schwartz from Excel Sports. This is what had me momentarily distracted. I've seen before. it now. I have seen it. You have seen it. Uh, this is the agent for Marvin Bagley. Sacra, we, I don't know what we're... I'm just going to read this and then I guess we'll, we'll react. Got a response already lined up. Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley he is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely... I can't even read this as a straight face, which is completely baffling. It's clear that they have no plans for him in the future. And yet, and yet, passed on potential deals at last year's deadline and this summer based on, quote, value, end quote. Instead, they chose to bring him back, but not play him, a move completely contradictory to their, quote, value, end quote, argument. This is a case study in mismanagement by the King's organization. Um, just, I don't, I don't really know what to say other than like, go Kings. Uh, Marvin Bagley is the Kevin Knox of the West. You know, it's funny because I again, the, the, I was going through the the extensions in the newsletter for uh, what what's today Tuesday, um, and I was like fourteen minutes for for you. Um, <laughs> we, we um we you know we focus so much on that Knox pick, and when I say we, I mean Knicks fans, and the fact that obviously you know forget about Mikael Bridges, even you know um, Shea Gillis Alexander. Michael Porter Jr. putting aside his his personal issues and and politics and what have you, um, you know, even someone like Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, like they, he didn't come to a contract extension probably because he's seeking a lot of money because he's pretty good. Um, we don't. Nobody talks about Mobamba, and, and all due respect to you seeing Mobamba play pretty decent basketball in the preseason. Mobamba has not exactly had a uh, stellar career thus far. And then, of course, the big one. I mean, is Marvin Bagley? Is, is Marvin Bagley the biggest? Does he have a chance to be the biggest draft bust ever, given the fact that he went one spot ahead of Luka Doncic? I mean, that just adds the spotlight, right? Like if Luka Doncic won in that draft, then, then it's like we, then it's like whatever. I you know. Yeah, so I think putting him as the biggest bust ever because Luka Doncic is in that draft is just a little bit harsh, but it's true. Like you know, um, I think that the problem with Bagley was for me that he came into the league incredibly one-handed. He was, uh, could only, I think it was only dribble right or dribble and his left hand was ridiculously shoddy and he never ever done anything to develop his game. And now he's, and then, you know, he's getting into off court rap battles with guys and his dad's, Thinking he's Lavar Ball, trying to be, you know, and I, when you're a down market Lavar Ball, it's it's not where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, the up market Lavar Ball is not where you want to be. So down market Lavar market- Ball, yeah, you know, Lavar Ball is not where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, things have gone off the rails. Uh, okay, Sorry, so please don't sue us. You know, it's. But- like what? I, it just these things fascinate me because, like, what is like? We don't have to have a real conversation about this, but like, what is Marvin Bagley's trade value right now? Like, I and this cancer and a first round <laughs> pick in thousand and fifty. Stop it! Um, Stop it! Nah, seriously, I don't know. I think it'd be it'd still be a viable young piece, but you like could you get a first? Could you get a first for you? Can't get a first for him, I don't think. Right? It'd have to be heavily protected, right? I don't even know, like. 
Like, so, maybe so like, what I mean by that, what I'm saying by that is it, you could get a first in kind of like in principle, but in realistic terms, it's going to convey as two seconds. One of those, oh, that was the Nerlens Noel. Uh, that type of deal. Contract, yeah. So, right? so it, yeah. you know, you save face because you get that first round pick, but it's so protected yeah. that it just conveys as yeah. two seconds. Or not, sorry, not contract. That was uh, Nerlens Noel. Um, is that it was either a trade two- face for the. It was trade to Dallas, I think, maybe from Philly. I think that was what it was. Because um, you can say we got a first for him, but in all reality, yeah. you just got two seconds. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then, of course, uh, the, the story of the day, which again, I mean, wow. Adding to, I, I think this this tweet for me, it might it's it's it might be up there with the with the <laughs> Bagley tweet from Shams Sharanya. Ben Simmons, and this is after, for anybody who doesn't know, Doc Rivers tossed Ben Simmons out of practice today because Ben Simmons apparently did not want to engage in a, some kind of drill. So he it was told a him, defensive drill. Get the get the fuck out of here. And then Embiid, uh, Joel Embiid, proceeded to um, say that we're not we're not what do you say we're not being paid to babysit him. Um, yeah. And what was the thing about this man? I don't want to talk about or this man. Like I'm done thinking about this man. I'm done worrying about this man. Something. This yeah. Man. Pretty much along that was just like fuck this guy. <laughs> It was it was Joel Embiid's way of saying fuck this guy. So then, so now from the athletic, Ben Simmons is not against playing, but he is not mentally ready yet. That's that's Ben Simmons inside. I don't know if you could hear him. Um, sources tell Sham Saranya in his first meeting with Sixers personnel last week, Simmons reiterated that he was not mentally ready to rejoin the team. That's just, I mean, you have it. You have it. Well, I mean, we both are division rivals with the Sixers. Do you, are you like? I still fear the Sixers because I fear Joel Embiid and I respect Doc Rivers as a, I respect Doc Rivers as a regular season coach. And I, I respect Tobias Harris. I think Tobias Harris is good. I think Seth Curry's good. I think Tyrese Maxey's a chance to be good. Um, I don't love necessarily the rest, like uh, everything about their roster, but like, I think, I still think regardless of what happens with pieces around them. Yeah. They have have stuff, right? Like I I don't, I don't see. Like maybe they fall apart. I think I actually picked them pretty pretty low in our predictions podcast just because I had to pick somebody pretty low. So my but. thing is, if you're relying solely on Joel Embiid, then you better be prepared to go 15 to 25 games during the regular season without, without him. There. Yeah, and you know, and then you might have to be prepared to do that in the playoffs too. And that's where having Ben Simmons is beneficial. Obviously, it doesn't always work out because Ben Simmons on his own. Just gives you nothing covered than defense, really. Uh, no, that's uh, harsh. Yeah, it's being I know, harsh. I'm. I'm st- I still want to see him with his. I look. I mean, you want to talk about lowering your value? <laughs> I, I mean, what? What? what, value. what, what yeah. <laughs> if there was a way to get like an air quotes emoji into that statement, uh, if Jeff Schwartz were able to do that, he should have done that. That would have made it better. Um, but I, I want to see Simmons with, with his own team around him. I don't know how good that team is going to be, but I think he, he'll remind folks of like, he he's, he's a pretty good player. I mean, I think that's part of his problem though, right? Like he's never been the, the number one option on that team, but he, he gets the majority of the disdain from fans when things go wrong. He's always yeah. been that scapegoat. Then he's being told the team won him back and he's a franchise cornerstone. But during last summer, not this one just gone, but the one before, they were happily putting his name in trade conversations even then. So there's been no love. I think Doc Rivers' hands aren't clean in all of this either. I think Doc Rivers handled Dirty, dirty hands. Dirty Dirty hands, hands, very dirty hands. And I just think that Simmons has been 
portrayed as this evil villain. I think he's acted petulantly. Uh, he's been a petulant oh, child. He's, he's acted but, like a fucking child. Yeah. But I do think that he was put in a position where he he genuinely just stopped giving a fuck. It's 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 bad all around. Um I think the the Embiid Simmons combination was always doomed. Doomed. Yeah. Doomed. You, you nailed it. it was, was doomed. Uh doomed. so <laughs> so we'll uh yeah I mean listen we'll um We'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to make any, you want to end with any like hot takes? You want to give me a prediction? You want to hot take? It's going to come down to a last possession game and I'm not choosing who wins, but I think it's going to be, you know, one or two possessions winning, winning Nick Celtics game. I don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, I'd be shocked if this did not come down to the last couple of minutes. Yeah. Shocked. If this is a blowout, something has gone utterly wrong for one of the two teams. Let me ask you this. Who is the guy on the Knicks that you want taking the last shot? Because you, you think he'll miss and the Celtics will win. And who is the guy you do not want to see with the ball in his hands uh, taking the last shot? I think I haven't seen enough of RJ Barrett to know whether he's got that clutch gene. So I would, I'm going to choose RJ Barrett taking that last shot. Obviously, I could have gone ridiculous and said someone like, I want Mitch Robinson taking a free. No, I mean, like of the people that are likely. Yeah. To, yeah. So RJ Barrett would be the guy I'd want taking that last shot just because I don't know if he's clutch. I haven't seen enough of him he to had, make that assertion. His, it, it came during a, a, a terrible season and it was a game that really didn't matter. But he, he had a game winner um, against the... Oh God, I hope I don't screw this. I think it was against the Rockets in his rookie year. Um, that was, I think maybe his best game of, as, of his rookie season. I don't know. I don't think that he had any game or any like big shots in like the last minute of a, of a close game last season. And I'm sure if I've forgotten one, many Nick fans would remind me of it, but none, none comes to mind immediately. Don't you hate it though? When someone, when you're talking about something and it's something that you know, you should know, and you know that, you know, but your I mean, brain will shit, not no, but you know no, that I should know. If I if I forgot like at RJ Barrett, I know he didn't have like a game winner, but if I forgot like a you a massive shot that he hit in like the last minute of a close game, the Memphis game that started the streak, Andrew Claudio was telling me. So he Andrew, I believe, is talking about the the layup over um no. It was it was uh, Andrew, just come come on here. Come on, what are you what are you doing hiding behind a, a screen? There was there was the there was a fast break in that game that RJ converted, right? And then there was a fast break that John Morant did not convert, if I recall correctly. So the way that game ended, the Knicks were down five. And yes. RJ Barrett got fouled on a three, hit all three free throws. Okay. That's pretty then good. on a defensive stop, the RJ then took it coast to coast rather than Tibbs calling a timeout and made the layup to tie the game. Okay. Then the Memphis. But it was Grizzlies a fast break. Him. I'm fine. Was, that it was a game winner. Like okay, but it was not a okay. Traditionally, when we have these, <laughs> this is me trying to dig out of my own hole. Traditionally, when we, when we talk about these things, we, we th talk about like things in a half court setting. I'm just throwing that out there. If did he do what Julius said in the last preseason right. game? You know no. what? I re I regret asking Andrew to come come on. You asked, I answered. All I'm saying is that you know, there's times where I forget to do. You asked me about a contract earlier, and I know that I know the answer, but sometimes okay. you're like, oh. You know, it I, happens. I, I abdicate all responsibility. Okay, so wait, who's the guy that you don't want to see? With I think the ball it's going to be Kemba, just because Kemba has got that clutch gene. Kemba's got a reason to hit to nail that game winner. Now, for you, who's the guy you do want taking the last shot, and who's the guy you don't? We already Man, we already know who you don't. Well, Rand Randall just hit one. Oh wait, no, for, sorry for you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want Tatum 
taking it. And oh, I do. I sh- Well, the, the obvious answer is Marcus Smart, except he fucking hit one to beat us last year. And it was, uh, <laughs> it, was it was really annoying. Um, I'll, so I'll give a different answer. Uh, Schroeder. Schroeder could take the last shot. That's fine. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Oh, dear goodness. Okay. That's that's a signal that this podcast needs to end. Um, Adam, anything anything from you before we uh, give us some something to plug, promote, whatever? First of all, everyone listening, you have no idea how lucky you are to have Macri as a oh, uh, guy that covers your team. We're going to no, edit this serious. out of the podcast. We're editing this out. No, no, no. No, you are. Macri is awesome. He does a great job with his uh, newsletter. I'm a Celtics fan. I read it religiously. Um, does a great job with the podcast. You guys are really lucky to have him. Uh, if you want to follow me and be a little bit less lucky, but just as informed, then you can feel free to follow me at Adam Taylor NBA on any social media channel and read my work and listen to my lovely English voice over at Celticsblog.com. Thank you very much for having me yet again. Your lovely uh, 25 minutes away from being 34 years old, yeah. right? Oh God. Yeah. No, it's not good. I'm close to the, I'm, I'm technically, I, I'm, I'm looking at it. 30 to 33 is early 30s. 34 to 36 is mid 30s. 37 to 40 is late 30s. Um, 30, 30 was big for me, but then 35 was big because then once I crossed 35, I was officially Old. closer to 40. Actually, I don't even think the math on that works out. But in my head, once I crossed 35, I was closer to 40 than 30, which was not, that was not a world that I wanted to live in. And now I'm almost 39, which is going to be like, holy shit, that's going to be like a death sentence for me. Because then once I, I hit forty, I want to turn forty, dude. Oh my god! I want to live. I want to live for like a million years, but turning forty scares the life out of me. Dude. Yeah, I know. That's I fair. just feel. How can you put me in an income poop discussion, man? <laughs> like I'm for hard, the next tour, until the Celtics uh, game is over, you're 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 officially in nink, a income poop. Bill. Can yeah. I be an income poop after you send me this tweet? <laughs> yeah, yeah you can be a casual <laughs> income poop. How's that? That's worse, man. Do you know what? There's a thing. I think we should stop vilifying casual fans. They make up 80% of our readership bases. They also and they're my co-hosts too. So it's just, you know. Yeah, Jeremy, great. there's such a long story that we'll tell you. After we'll tell we you later. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Adam Taylor, everybody go follow him uh, over at, at Celtics Block. He's the man. And uh, thank you for coming on. Anytime. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, rousing discussion about the uh, Knicks first opponent of the season. We always have a lot of laughs and uh, I hope you had some laughs too on your end. Uh, That's it for this episode. Uh, Again, as always, if you enjoy what you hear here on Knicks Film School, feel free to drop us a rating, uh, leave a review, uh, subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And uh, don't forget, uh, as always, uh, in addition to the podcast and the YouTube channel, If you would like even more Knicks coverage from yours truly, feel free to subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter on Substack. The easiest way to uh, get access to that is just to go to my Twitter file or my Twitter handle, JC Macri NBA, and you could subscribe. I'm always running deals. I'll probably wind up running a deal at some point this week or next week um, to give you a a little bit of a break, but uh, even a full price, $5 a month. I mean, it's a cup of coffee and you get a Nick's newsletter five days a week. And uh, I like to think that they are uh, pretty good. So feel free to check that out. And on that note, let's get a win, baby. Here we go. Let's go Nick's. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.